Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers, invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 103rd edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm Jim Calloway, director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Today, our topic is a law firm CIO's guide to managing technology. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsor, Scorpion, which delivers award-winning law firm web design and online marketing programs to get you more cases. Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours attract new cases and grow their practices. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Thanks to CloudMask, which offers cost-effective and efficient data encryption for law firms, whether large or small, in Google Apps, Office 365, and other cloud solutions. Sign up now for your 60 days free account at cloudmask.com. Thanks to ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. We are very pleased to have as our guest today our longtime friend and colleague, Andy Atkins, a pioneer in legal technology Andy has been assisting law firms to improve their services to clients since the late 1980s. His career, his journey, has continuously led him down various paths, including a four-year gig as Chief Information Officer at Steptoe & Johnson PLLC, a large law firm based in Bridgeport, West Virginia, and two stints as Chair of ABA Tech Show. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Thanks for having me, Jim and Sharon. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. It's almost like getting the band back together, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is, as long as it's not our farewell tour. <laughs> you know, Andy, I always thought you were a country boy, but I was a little bit surprised that you ended up in West Virginia. So how did you end up there as the CIO of Steptoe & Johnson? Uh, interesting. I had been, as you know, a technology consultant for about 23 years. I established the Legal Technology Institute at the University of Florida College of Law and had probably consulted with over 300 law firms. Back in 2010, I was trying to slow down. As you know, a lot of travel sometimes gets to you, especially after a few years. But uh, I ended up slowing down uh, and uh, closing down the Legal Technology Institute at the university, but I brought it to my own consulting practice. It didn't take too long before a friend of mine, um, who actually was a prior client and current, and, and at the time was currently the chief operating officer at Steptoe & Johnson, he had reached out to me and said, listen, we, uh, we created a CIO position. The first person we brought in uh, was only here for about nine months. Do you have anyone else in mind that you could pass along? And so I sent him a few names. And two days later, he sent me an email saying, what would it take for you to come up to West Virginia? And like you said, um, 
it was interesting conversation with my wife, uh, but we took a trip up to West Virginia, and it clicked. Uh, both West Virginia, we loved the state. We're both outdoors folks. The law firm had been around for almost 100 years at the time, uh, very well established. They had a good crew. Uh, they did have some technology challenges, and it fit right within my skill set. So I signed on as the CIO of Steptoe & Johnson and had a great four years there. Well, managing a law firm's technology is always a challenge, but could you talk a little bit about how the firm grew during your four years there and how you grew the technology during that same time period? Sure. One of the challenges that we had coming on board is when I joined, there were 620 total users. There were 10 offices in four states, and we had an IT department of 12. I was actually number 13. Uh, ratios uh, for IT folks to full-time employees at the firm was almost 50 to 1, which is all these folks that we're doing was really putting out fires. There was a great team, and uh, they really just didn't have enough people. And I had told the firm that before they hired me, and then they hired me. So that gave me a message that, yep, we know we need more people. We just need the direction. So during my four years there, uh, we went from 620 total people, and there were 220 lawyers. With the growth rate of the energy uh, field, and we had a lot of clients in the energy that did a lot of hydraulic fracturing, pull up the natural gas. Uh, so there was a phenomenal growth. We grew from 10 offices to 15. Uh, we went from four states to six states. Went from 620 people to almost 1,000 people. And my staff, uh, I was number 13, and when I left, we had 25 slots with 23 full-time uh, IT folks. So it was quite a fast growth, uh, and we were able to stay up to it, and uh, you know, that's the reason why I was there. Well, I was going to ask you, what was the most difficult task of managing technology, but maybe that was it, or, or was there more than that? Well, um, one thing I wanted to let everybody know is that prior to me being there, there was a solid technology infrastructure in place and a great team. The biggest issue was there just wasn't enough people. Uh, we had one person on the help desk. Uh, we had one trainer. Again, 600-plus people. So we had to put additional folks onto the support team just to answer the calls. We ended up building out a help desk and putting two full-time people on it uh, and running the help desk in the office from 7 in the morning to 7 at night. And then we provided after-hour support until 11 o'clock with people that were on call. So managing that transition, um, you, you've got to have good people. This is not something the CIO comes in and says, thou shalt be done. So this is basically, I think, leadership in the sense of, okay, so we've got a problem to solve. Here are some suggestions. How do we get from here to there? The team jumped in. We were able to increase our budget significantly in order to purchase a technology, not just for us in IT, uh, but also for additional technologies that would help improve uh, attorneys' services to their clients. So it was it was a phenomenal growth. We had we had a good time. Well, that sounds quite challenging. You know, one of the problems with growing an IT department is they may not have experience with your tools, and it's hard to kind of spin them up. How did you grow the IT department and doubling the staff in such a relatively short amount of time? Well, one thing that I was able to convince, and, and again, when you step into an unknown world like this, 
it's a lot of it is relationships and building those relationships not only with your IT department because they have to learn to trust you and you have to learn what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And then also on the other side, I have to work closely with management, the executive committee to convince them that these are things that we need to do. So you gather a lot of outside resources. Um, I had actually created what we call an IT roundtable. There were probably about 20 firms in the roundtable. The firm was already part of this old Hildebrand roundtable. But uh, they were typically at the management and COO level. Well, I created and got together all the IT department heads, uh, CIOs, and IT directors, got onto the phone uh, every month. And we all have the same issues. And it really helps understanding that here's how one person solved this. We were able to take some of those arguments back to management and say, okay, we know that we need more people. I don't want to just add people in and throw them, you know, more butts in the seat, as I used to call it. I said, here's the skills that we need in this firm. And let's put out a request and pull in the right people for the right job. So we were able to add that. I went training from one person, a training manager. We built a training team of three. We went from a support of having one person uh, basically rotating every two hours. We'd have a different person on the help desk. We actually built the help desk out. So getting the skills there and also convincing the firm that we need to send our people to training. We had a really nice budget for IT training, and that really helps build morale. Well, you know, a lot of times, Andy, I think that people who are in that kind of position, a CIO's position, they find that they have a lot of communications difficulty, and you've described one kind, but usually we hear folks complain that they can't get buy-in from all the lawyers, especially senior partners. Uh, they don't want to do what they tell them to do, uh, and sometimes they have trouble with the staff as well. So how did you communicate what was happening with technology and how the firm had to change over time? Well, they had been bitten uh, a couple of times in the past with upgrades that weren't necessarily needed, but somebody had said, let's do this. There were also some issues between the IT group and the rest of the firm. Uh, it's one of those, uh, what I used to call upgrade-itis. You know, just leave <laughs> me alone. Let me do my job. Quit upgrading every day. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, the issues that Microsoft has um, with patches and updates, and then on top of that, all of the other software applications that integrate with that. So I did several things. Uh, number one is I tried to meet everyone in the firm. So even with we had 15 offices, um, I flew out to Houston. We have an office in Houston and one in Denver. Make the Western Rim trip, as I call it, uh, and meet with everybody. Let them know I'm the face of IT. You know, you'll talk with me at times, but most of the time you're going to be talking with our folks. So I would gather intel from the field. I would also start developing those relationships between those who are actually using the software and, and pushing it. And as you both know, um, in this world of IT technology, we follow the 80-20 principle. 80% 80 of the users only take 20% of your time. But that 20% of the users require a lot of time, a lot of hand-holding, a lot of convincing. We had a couple of real high-power attorneys that were not necessarily the easiest to get along with. But once you reach out to them and, and try to talk with them on their level about what are the issues you're having, and one of the people that I really admired, I really tried to get him on our team, 
uh, which he did, and was able to help us push ourselves in the use of technology. And so focusing on those types of things where you're actually talking with uh, the attorneys and working with them one-on-one was very phenomenal. I also started doing what I called a CIO update every month. It was a newsletter and saying, here's what's going on now. And by the way, here's what's coming up in the future. So I could start planting seeds to let people know that, hey, we're going to be implementing or changing our two-factor authentication or, you know, we're changing our voicemail system. So give people a little bit of heads up. And, And people appreciate that. They like to know what's coming down the pipeline. Well, to shift topics a little bit, since you're the CIO, you have responsibility for cybersecurity. Uh, I wouldn't say did. I guess I'd say, how did your cybersecurity needs change for the law firm during your four years there? Well, we were uh, we had a really good shield around us. We had a, uh, a couple of guys who were top-notch in security. So we had all of the typical vices you would have, uh, not only the antivirus software, we had it at the server level. We were monitoring all of our networks. Uh, We were doing all of the right things. Uh, We had to put a couple of policies in place, uh, which some people weren't really happy with, but, you know, it is what it is. But cybersecurity definitely changed. The biggest thing that we noticed was from our clients. A firm this size has some fairly significantly large clients uh, in the financial industry, and those are the ones that were hit. And because of those issues that they were experiencing, they wanted all of their companies that worked with all their law firms to follow certain rules and regulations. So we actually received like a 33-page security audit, which took a couple of months to get through. Most of what we were doing, a few things we weren't, but we used that as an example to go to the management saying, okay, our client, our good client is telling us this is something we need to do. Here's how much it's going to cost. And by the way, we can knock this out in a few weeks. So I kind of tried to take charge and use that as an example of moving the firm a little bit further along and not forcing people to follow these security rules, but using that as an example of this is what we need to be doing. So did you, uh, during those four years, was that when you brought on board things like intrusion detection systems and data loss prevention software hardware? Uh, We had some of that in place. We were actually had a uh, company that we outsourced with to uh, manage our data intrusion. Okay. They provided us monitoring our network guys. Uh, There were actually three of them who would all get an email when there was uh, an intrusion that was detected. Uh, We would monitor it, and then we would shut down certain ports if that was the thing to do. They also, uh, on request, performed uh, audits for us because that's something we can turn around and provide back to the clients almost immediately. Before we move on to the rest of the podcast, let's take a quick commercial break. Not getting enough cases from the internet or the kinds of cases you want? Scorpion can help. Over the last 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours attract new cases and grow their practices. During this time, Scorpion has won over 100 awards for its law firm website design and online marketing success. Join the thousands of law firms which partner with Scorpion and start getting more cases today. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com podcast. 
In recent years, the legal sector has come under increasing pressure to improve efficiency and client services. CloudMask enables law firms and solo attorneys to leverage free and low-cost software as a service, such as Google Apps and Office 365, to improve efficiency and client service while reducing costs, strengthening compliance with data privacy laws, and ensuring that legal ethical duties are met. CloudMask encryption is even certified by 26 governments around the world. Sign up now for your 60-day free account at cloudmask.com. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the country. Connect your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit ServeNow.com. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is A Law Firm CIO's Guide to Managing Technology. And our guest is Andy Adkins, who spent the last four years as the Chief Information Officer at Steptoe & Johnson PLLC, a large law firm based in Bridgeport, West Virginia. You've alluded to this briefly, but a lot of Chief Information Officers have trouble getting buy-in from the partners in a law firm. Did uh, that present any difficulties for you? Not really. I actually had been a consultant to this law firm four years prior. Uh, They had gone through a major forklift upgrade and were having issues and questions, and they wanted sort of a second opinion. Uh, And so they had hired me uh, at the time, and I spent several days with them, got to meet most of the main players there. So I, I had some history with this particular firm. There were some issues uh, of trying to get buy-in from some of the partners. But again, when you develop these types of relationships, you kind of know who other people listen to. So while one partner may not necessarily appreciate what we do in IT, other partners do, and they help bridge that particular gap. Did that sound politically correct? <laughs> yes, it was well stated, eloquent, and didn't say too much. Very well done. <laughs> so, what about you know, what I hear all the time from CIOs is that they want to tear their hair out because they're faced with rogue employees who evade policies and technology restrictions on what they do. Did you ever run into any of that? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was kind of sometimes it was fun because when we had. Uh, one of our network engineers had a series of monitors where we monitored all of the bandwidth. And West Virginia is not the best infrastructure state, and God be with them these days with all of what's going over there. But the infrastructure, um, I used to point out a study that West Virginia was number 51 in broadband connections uh, in spectrum uh, in the states. We were actually behind Guam. But one of the things that we were able to do is we monitored all of our bandwidth. And so we would notice a particular office hogging too much bandwidth than what should have been normal. So we would drill down to that and eventually be able to find out what was going on. I love sending an email to a person in a particular office saying, tell me, what's on Netflix today? 
uh, and immediately bandwidth increases. So, you know, I love to be able to do stuff like that. Um, yeah, you really have a wicked streak there, Andy. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's, it's all in fun, too, because you know these people. And, you know, I one time went to an office and somebody was asking me a problem with their iPhone. It says, you know, it's really slow. And I looked at it and she had 13,368 unread email yeah. messages. And I didn't think that little red bubble could grow that big. <laughs> well, we've seen over 40,000, so <laughs> the answer is it can. <laughs> I know, I know. But, it, you know, you, you, you have to deal with it at a professional level, and you have to not make people feel bad. Right. So, you know, that's one of the skills that I can bring. Is like try to, you know, bite your tongue and say, well, the only reason I know this is because it's happened to me before, or whatever excuse it may be. <laughs> You know what you know what John used to do when he worked at uh, Mobile Oil. He used to take the name of the CEO and he'd go around and people who didn't have screensavers, he'd start to write a real nasty email to the CEO and he would just leave it on their screen. Uh, that that really <laughs> without hitting send and, and that really encouraged the use of screensavers. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we did that too when we were working on black boxes, so to speak. I think you're a little judgmental, Sharon. One rogue employee is just views themselves as an ambitious end user. <laughs> well, Andy, what was the best professional moment of those four years? And if you dare say, what was the worst? <laughs> well, I think the most being at this firm and seeing its growth and being able to help the firm grow and help my IT department grow, we brought on some fairly heavy technologies to solve some problems. People, it just didn't exist. So we took an existing database system and had the developer modify it. And it took a long time for this particular group, this uh, practice group, to accept it and use it. But what a phenomenal growth they've experienced once they start using it and they accepted it. Because it's one of those things, you can only do so much with spreadsheets and, you know, when you have multiple people in multiple offices needing the same spreadsheet, then you have to schedule its use. So migrating that into this uh, Oracle database was one of the great things. And seeing the transition, seeing the people's change. Uh, the worst, probably when I decided it was time to leave. That was a pretty difficult time. There was lots of reasons. Most of it was personal. Um, we needed to get back to Florida for aging parents because you just couldn't deal with that type of thing being 13 hours away in, in a different state. So once we decided that it was time to go, um, and then kind of going through that transition in my own mind, that was probably the toughest thing. But, you know, God leads us in different directions, and that's why we're here. He, he surely does. Um, well, first, that's a wonderful thing that you love to take care of aging parents because the, a lot of aging parents don't have that. So that was uh, certainly a wonderful thing to do. When did you actually leave the firm, Andy? Uh, September 30th of last year. Of uh, last year. Last day, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I know you. You're not a couch potato. You're not going to be sitting watching reality TV all day. So what have you found to keep yourself busy? Well, the first time I tried to retire five, six years ago, it lasted a year. This one lasted about two months. I'm actually <laughs> involved in a project. We're, I'm, I'm starting a software company. We're building an application for uh, initially the legal field in e-discovery. 
uh, early case assessment, and about the only thing I can tell you, it deals with social media. And we are hoping to start development and have a product probably in the fall. Hmm. Well, that is very interesting indeed. Uh, you have a, an ongoing entrepreneurial spirit, which I share, as you know. So I, I don't think either one of us is going to wind up being retired anytime soon. <laughs> no. You probably agree with that. Um, I do. <laughs> well, we want to thank you so much, Andy, for being our guest today. It's 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 interesting. We've never really had a CIO on this program, and that's a wholly different perspective, one that's very useful and different um, to think about the problems that a CIO faces versus the other folks in IT or even in cybersecurity. It's a, it, it is a different role. So thank you for sharing both that country twang and your considerable wisdom on the subject matter. Thanks. It's been great being here, and I just always love talking with you and Jim. <laughs> well, thank you. That goes both ways. And Absolutely. that does it for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all of the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening to The Digital Edge, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.